A reading from Exodus. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a brush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take off your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land to a good land, a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that he may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be your sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you out, up out of the affliction of, the Egypt, of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The word of the Lord. Please stand for the Psalms. Let's read this together. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth forevermore. 
from the rising of the sun to its setting. The name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above all heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks down from the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with peepses and the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home and makes her a joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. You may be seated. reading from Acts chapter 4. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, of by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him is this man standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John they perce and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, <clears throat> What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name, in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard, the word of the Lord. Please stand. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. 
Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the, the Father in my name, he will give to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Lord Jesus, we do celebrate and proclaim that your name is the highest name of all. We submit ourselves today and we ask, Lord, that um, you would teach us, you would um, grow us, Lord, um, as your disciples. And we ask this in your holy name. Amen. You can be seated. Can I just say, I love that alleluia. I'm, I'm going to miss it. Lent is coming, and there's no alleluias in Lent, so um, enjoy it these next couple of weeks. Uh, um, I love the season of Lent, too. I should be I'm clear on that. So um, uh, for a couple of years, I worked as an admissions counselor uh, at a college, and uh, one of my um, jobs was uh, to follow up uh, with students who had been accepted into the college but had not let yet let us know if they would be coming or not. It's kind of funny um, that that was my job, because right now my um, son is a, a senior in high school, and he's getting um, contacted by the very college that I worked at um, to see whether he will be coming there or not. So it's reminding me of that. Um, and in those days, um, uh, many students, uh, most high school students, did not have cell phones, if you can believe that and get your mind around that. So I would call their home um, numbers and often end up having conversations uh, with parents of uh, prospective uh, students. One time I was talking with a dad and I said, uh, if you could let your son know that um, his admissions counselor, Christian Ruck, um, called, that would be great. And he said, Christian Rock? Your name is like a genre of music? He's like, that's awesome, man. You work for a Christian college and your name is Christian Rock. Rock on, friend. And uh, I explained, no, it's actually Christian Rock. And he was like, what an awesome name, man. Be proud of it, Christian Rock. Um, and uh, then I ended the call. And, and after that call, I, I felt this strange sense of embarrassment, and actually I felt kind of ashamed. And I was thinking, why am I bothered? I didn't do anything wrong, you know, he's just a goofy dad. Like at that point, I thought dads of college-age students should be mature, like now I know as I'm a dad of college-age students, that's not the case, but I was really thrown off by it. And as I thought about it more, I realized, you know, whenever somebody like makes light of our name, it, it feels personal, right? As much as that guy of course, wasn't wanting to insult me, I felt like personally offended. Like somehow I felt violated even in the way that he used my name. Right? This is something, right, that children, when they want to be cruel, they get this. They know, like you make fun of someone's name, right, or you call them a name, or you give them a cruel nickname, which sadly not only children do, adults do this too, right, that hurts them in a, in a specifically very personal way, right? It can feel very personally wounding. Well, today we're thinking about the third commandment. We're in a series on the Ten Commandments. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. You can see it actually at our, our sermon heading there. Um, we um, include the introduction to the Ten Commandments um, there on page nine. God spoke all these words. This is the introduction, right? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then the third commandment, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain, 
for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Right? There's like an extra warning attached to that commandment. I will not hold you guiltless if you take my name in vain. In other words, this is a big deal. Right? Now, what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? It basically means to misuse God's name, to not honor God's name. If you think of vain things, those are worthless things. There's one way to use the word vain. And God is basically saying, don't use my name as if it were worthless. Honor the worth of my name. And we may ask, okay, why is this so important? Why is this the third commandment? For one thing, the first two commandments deal with right worship of God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to idols or make any idols, which our youth um, spoke to last week and did an awesome job of it. But both of those commandments, right, are worship me rightly. Don't, you know, worship idols. Don't put any other gods before me. Don't make an idol to represent me. So why do we need then the third commandment, which is really another way of saying, worship me rightly. Use my name rightly. Do not misuse my name. And maybe we can even wonder, like, okay, we're hurt when someone misuses our name. But probably when we experience that, we could kind of think, like, well, you know, I'm bigger than this. I shouldn't let it bother me. That's kind of you know, I'm being overly sensitive if I'm bothered by someone misusing my name. But why would God care if we misuse his name? Why doesn't God say, you know, look, whatever you want to do, it doesn't affect me, right? Go ahead and misuse my name, right? That's your problem, not my problem. Why is this so important to God, right? Is this because he's so sensitive, right? Well, that's not the case. But let's think about um, uh, why is this important? And the starting point, of course, is the name of the Lord. Why is the name of the Lord so significant? Why do we speak so much about his name? Right? We see that in our psalm. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is to be praised. We're so used to this language, right? It's in our liturgy as well. It's in our opening prayer, right? It's in um, the hallelujah that we just sang. Um, praising the Lord's name to be above all names. That his name is above all names. Right? That we don't read that and say, why does it just say, you know, praise the Lord? I mean, it does say that. Why does it just say, blessed be the Lord? Why does it speak of his name? Right? We understand. We read and we say, oh, because his name represents him. His name is another way for us to celebrate who he is. It identifies the Lord. And so if we love the Lord, we love his name. If we want to see the Lord blessed, if we want to bless the Lord, if we want to praise the Lord, it's connected to his name. When we say the name of Jesus is above all names, right? That's a way to celebrate the authority and the power and the glory of Christ. We get greater insight in this, in this um, interaction that Moses has with the Lord. And yes, it was a long reading, but I wanted to capture the full dynamic here happening as Moses encounters God, as God encounters Moses, and what Moses learns about the Lord, how the Lord is revealing himself to Moses, right? Moses is going to play an extremely important role in the nation of Israel, in the history of the nation of Israel, right? He's, he's being called to an extremely important job. And so to see how do God and him first interact, how does God first reveal himself to him? And so Moses is, is taking care of flocks, of taking care of sheep. He sees this burning bush, right? And right there we see the holiness of God, that God would reveal himself you know, through fire, the fire that does not consume. And Moses is curious. He goes towards the bush. God speaks to him. And tells them immediately, take the sandals off of your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Right? God's holiness is such that even to be in his presence right, is to be made holy. Right? The, the ground is made holy because it is near the Lord. And Moses immediately gets this. He hides his face. He's afraid to look at God. 
He understands the holiness, the awesomeness, the glory of God. But then this holy God says, basically, I've seen you, I've seen the people, and I am going to send you, I have a job for you. I'm going to send you to set my people free, right? Through me. I will set my people free through you. And so we see both the holiness of God, but we also see how personal God is. Right? He calls himself the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses says, well, who am I? Right? A really, actually, very understandable question that Moses would ask this question. Who am I that I should lead? If you remember at this point, Moses um, already um, basically is on Pharaoh's bad side. Pharaoh wants to kill him because Moses had killed an Egyptian, right, and then gotten out of town and fled. And also, the one time that Moses has tried to give leadership to the Israelites, remember there were two men who were fighting, and Moses tries to intervene and be a peacemaker, and they basically say, like, who are you? Like, why, who sh why should we listen to you? He's been embarrassed. And so when he asks the question, who am I that I can lead the Israelites, it's a really good question. And what is Moses, or what's God's response I will be with you. Right? This is a personal God. I'm not just sending you. I'm not just giving you this job from afar that you have to go do without me. I'm going with you. Just as I was with Abraham, just as I was with Jacob, just as I was with Isaac, I will be with you. So we see God's transcendence, his holiness, that he is above all, and we see his imminence, to use some great theological words, transcendence and imminence. Right? God is both. He's both above us and he is with us. And he is saying that to Moses. And so then when Moses says, well, what should I tell people your name is? Well, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Why is Moses asking for God's name? God's already told him his name. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. Right, perhaps one thing that may be happening here is Moses is thinking, okay, the Israelites have been surrounded for hundreds of years by Egyptian gods. All these Egyptian gods each have names, and so they'll want to know, well, what's the name of our god? You know, maybe there's a sense in which how is this god compared to the other gods that, you know, probably the Israelites were more familiar with these other gods than they were with their god, the one true god. And so perhaps in asking the question, it's like, well, how do you compare to these other gods? They all have names. What's your name? But perhaps also Moses is basically saying, tell me more about who you are. They're going to want to know who you are. Who is this God? Tell me more about your nature. Right? He understands, <clears throat> excuse me, names reveal something about the person. Let me understand more who you are. Whatever the case, whether it's are you like other gods or tell me more about your nature, the answer God gives answers both of those inquiries and whatever else Moses is wanting to know. I am who I am. That's the answer. I am who I am. I love what Robert Alter, a um, uh, Hebrew scholar, um, uh, says in regards to this name that God gives himself, that God shares. He says, basically, God is saying, to me alone belongs unlimited, unconditional being. And so how am I like the gods of Egypt? I'm nothing like them, right? They're false gods. I am the one true God. I'm eternal God. I've always been. I am who I am. Not I am like this. God is like nothing else, right? He is incomparable. I just am. I am. What is my being? What do you want to know about me? What do you want to know about my character? I am. I am unlimited, unconditional being. If we're talking with someone and they say, I am who I am, right? They're basically saying, right, like, you got to accept me as I am, right? Flaws and all. This is, this is just who I am. 
But when God says, I am who I am, he is saying, accept me as who I am, but there are no flaws, right? I am completely holy. I'm completely good. I'm all-powerful. I am. And then the name, again, in verse um, 15, if you look at our Exodus reading, so then verse 15, uh, well, he says then 14, I am has sent me to you. And so that's my name, I am. And then he says, God also said to Moses, say to this people of Israel, the Lord. And the Lord there is the name often translated Yahweh, the holy name of God. And again, in most translations, it's just the Lord, uh, but it's uh, a name that speaks again to the holiness. It, it sounds like I am, but it's followed by the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So again, you see the transcendence of God, the holiness of God, but the imminence, the personal nature of God. It's actually amazing that our holy God would then take on the names of people, right, of mortal people, that he would say, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He's clearly not saying, you know, they decided who I am, they define me. He's saying, I define them. I called them to myself. Right? They are basically named by me, and yet again, we see the relational nature of God, that he would name himself that way. So, transcendence, again, an eminence. I'm sorry I keep repeating that, but it's just so important, and the name of God captures that. And so when we think about what does it mean to misuse the name of God, what does it mean to take God's name in vain? Well, certainly not to honor the holiness of God's name, but we also take God's name in vain when we don't honor the personal nature of God that he is near us. In that sense, we can say we, honor, we dishonor God's name, we take God's name in vain when we don't use God's name, when we don't speak out God's name. Right? He is the God who cares about us, who comes to Moses and says, I've heard the cries of my people, who identifies himself with his people. I am the Lord, your God. And so we should not misuse his name, but we should use his name rightly in the way that he calls us to use his name. So what's some of the application of this, right? What does it look like then to misuse God's name, right? We're told we will not be held blameless if we misuse his name. It's good to ask that question, how potentially do we do that? Now, I think probably the first thing that comes to mind and the most obvious is, well, you know, the way we speak about taking the Lord's name in vain, basically using his name as a type of swear word, right, as an exclamation. And this is where I think, you know, it can sometimes feel like, really? Like, that's kind of common. People do it all the time. Is that really, like, deserving of the top 10. <laughs> but think about what's happening when we use God's name, again, as a type of swear word, as an exclamation. We're basically saying, I'm going to use your holy name as a sort of tool, right, to, to, um, for my means, for my ends. And actually, when you think about it, why would God's name be used so commonly as an exclamation, right? Why do people use that as strong language? Well, it's because actually they recognize, I believe, and we recognize his name is powerful, but his name is sacred. There's something, again, in, in using the Lord's name in vain in that way that we're wanting to say something powerful. Now, again, it's kind of ridiculous because we're wanting to say something powerful in regard to, you know, whatever, how cold it is outside or, you know, someone cutting us off in traffic. But that's sort of at the heart of it, isn't it? I recognize his name's powerful. Right? I, I recognize there's something sacred about that name, and therefore I'm using it in this unsacred way to communicate something. But again, it's using his name as a type of tool. It's using his name um, for, for our means. And consider, again, if we go back to, um, uh, look at the front of your bulletin. Sorry, we've got lots of papers here. In the front of the bulletin, we have um, those important words from uh, Exodus, the chapter before the Ten Commandments are given. 
where the Lord speaks of the name of his people. It says, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And so the Ten Commandments is about them rightly worshiping the Lord and being in right relationship with him, right? Which is certainly reflected in how they use his name. But the Ten Commandments is also about you're a witness to the rest of the world. You're a kingdom of priests. You represent me. And how do we represent the Lord when we use his name in vain? When we use his name, again, as a type of swear word, as a type of exclamation, what are we saying about our Lord? If you've ever had a conversation with somebody and maybe they've made sort of a disparaging remark about their spouse or about a, a family member or a friend, and maybe it's just sort of subtle, but it's a little bit like, ooh, that was kind of a dig. You know sort of that uncomfortable feeling like, ooh, maybe there's something going on in their marriage or there's something going on in their family that I should be concerned about. And I just think about how that message that we said, when we use the Lord's name in vain, right? This is not a name I'm honoring. I'm called actually to proclaim that name, to bless that name, and to hold up that name before all the world. And instead, right, I, as in my role as a priest, as a representative of God, I'm actually using his name in vain. When I was a, a child, um, oftentimes when we were getting ready for school, we would um, listen to the radio, and that's what you did in those days to find out what the weather was. Or you could call on the phone to find out the weather. Some of you old people uh, remember that. Uh, so we'd listen to the radio as we were getting ready for school. And I remember once um, the DJ, again, maybe talking about the weather, talking about something, um, used Jesus' name in vain as an exclamation. And I'll never forget, my mom went over to the phone and called the radio station to complain to them. And my mom was not an uptight person. My mom was not a prude. She was actually not easily offended. But she just felt so strongly like, here's my family getting ready for our day, and our Lord's name is being used in that way. And she was deeply offended. And that stuck with me. That was a witness to me. Oh, this is how precious the Lord's name is. I'm actually going to call the radio station and say, we're going to stop listening. I don't know that they cared. <laughs> but for my mom, it was important to say, this is wrong, right? You need to correct that DJ in how he speaks. The Lord's name. So there's, again, using the Lord's name as a, like I said, a swear word. But there are other ways, right, that we can misuse God's name. And again, I, I think that idea of like using God's name as a tool for our ends, to fulfill what we want. And so it's worth considering what other ways do we use God's name basically for our ends, to fulfill our purposes as opposed to honor him. I'm Joel Vascom uh, shared with me a picture he had seen of um, uh, a group of men at a KKK rally, right, wearing the, the white robes and holding up a sign that said, Jesus saves. And he said, you know, he saw that and he thought, do not take the Lord's name in vain. To take the Lord's name, right, and to use it in the name of racism, to use it in the name of racial violence, right, I mean, it's deeply offensive, right, and we can hear that. We can hear how the Lord would say, I will not hold you blameless. But as we think of that example, it's good for us to then say, man, how, how do we potentially do that? How do we potentially, in a sense, co-opt the Lord's name for our means? Another way to think about this is, are the ways in which, you know, we want to say God is on our side, as opposed to we're on God's side, right? That's what we're called to, right? May I align myself with you, Lord. But when we misuse his name, basically we're saying, I'm going to use his name to justify myself. Now, again, our God's a personal God, and we see that so clearly in this interaction with Moses. So I'm not saying in any way that you can't say, God's led me, God's called me, right? I mean, that's part of living as a disciple of Jesus. That God does call us. He speaks to us. But my encouragement is as we speak of, I believe God's calling me to this. I believe God's leading me to this. 
And there's, you know, a, a little check in our spirit to say, Lord, am I using your name for my purposes, right? Or am I submitted to you? So again, when we step back and say, well, why does God care, right? Why does he care how we use our name? One, he cares about his relationship with us. He wants us not to forget who he is. If we're misusing his name, that shows actually that we've misunderstood, that we don't aren't honoring him rightly. And he's concerned about that because he is a personal God. He's an imminent God who cares about our relationship with him. But also he cares because we have been given the privilege to represent him to the world. We are his ambassadors. We are his priests. And so he cares deeply how we represent him. Right? We've been given that gift to speak his name to others. To misuse it is a serious thing. But let's end thinking about the positive of this. right? And so, yes, we should take very seriously the warning, do not misuse my name. But behind that is honor my name. Like, like I said, to not speak God's name actually is a serious thing. Right? If, if you're in a relationship with someone and they never say your name, right, you would feel like, don't you even know me? Don't you even care about who I am? Look at the, the words of Jesus, these um, beautiful words to his disciples that are to us as well. Right? He speaks of his love for them. And he says, right, no longer do I call you servants. We are still servants, <laughs> to be clear. But he wants to make clear, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. All I've heard from my father I've made known to you. I did not choose, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So clearly, right, he's speaking to them, you belong to me. You're my friends, right? I've, I've given you life. I've given you a mission. And now ask for things in my name. Come to the Father and pray in my name. So that's an invitation. This is the right use of my name, to ask for things in my name, to honor my name through requesting things in my name. Now, obviously, we can use in the name of Jesus. I ask for this in the name of Jesus as sort of, you know, kind of a formula, and that's a problem. But we see in this context, right, it's not about a formula. It's about just living in relationship with him and submitting ourselves to him. You see this, right, when we pray the prayers of the people. What do we repeat? Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Right? We're repeating, Lord, we are asking this in light of your mercy. We are coming and asking for things in your name because we have received your mercy. We have been brought into relationship with you, and therefore we ask. There's a, a final prayer. We say prayers at the, name, at the ends of the prayers of the people, and this is one of the, the prayers that often the celebrant will say. Heavenly Father, you have promised to hear what we ask in the name of your Son. Accept and fulfill our petitions, we pray, not as we ask in our ignorance, nor as we deserve in our sinfulness, but as you know and love us in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that's an acknowledgement, right? To pray in the name of Jesus is to acknowledge the mercy we receive, that we belong to him, and we ask out of that. But the fact is, right, I'm sure many of us have experienced when we ask in Jesus' name and those prayers aren't answered in the way we want them to, even though we understand, right, to ask in Jesus' name is to ask in submission, right, to him, to ultimately want his purposes. But it can be hard to continue to ask in Jesus' name when we felt disappointed by God, when we felt like I've asked in his name and those prayers haven't been answered. And my encouragement to you today is don't stop asking in his name, right? I've experienced that. I'm sure we all have. It's like, I believe in God, I, I love him, but I'm just going to stop asking. It's almost too hard to hope. Right? And we need to hear the Lord's invitation and his reminder. Keep asking. My name is powerful. I had an opportunity um, this week to uh, hear from an Indian bishop. Uh, Kevin and Leah are part of our church. 
part of an organization called Good Shepherd um, India, uh, which is doing amazing work in India. It's a huge group of, of churches there. An Indian uh, bishop was uh, visiting. I had a chance to hear more about his ministry and his work. And hearing the stories of people being healed and exorcisms, people being freed of demons, lines of people, Kevin had a great story of lines of people waiting to be baptized. And it was so encouraged me to remember there is power in the name of Jesus. And I can forget that. And it is a privilege we have to speak out his name and to ask for things in his name. The apostles got that. Just finally, we take a note, take a look at our, our Acts reading. Right? They understood. Right? What do they, they say? There's no other name under heaven among which men, people, by which we can be saved. His is the only name. His is a powerful name. And that was offensive to say at that time. It's offensive to say today. Right? But they did not hold back. Right? They spoke out the name of the Lord. His name and his name alone brings salvation. And when they were told, right, what are they told? Right? It's significant, isn't it? What did the religious leaders command them um, to do? They charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Right? They understand that name is powerful. Stop using that name. They're basically saying, you know, we want you to take the Lord's name in vain by not using his name. And what is the response of Peter and John? Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. Right? Who, who are we going to listen to? Right? Do you think we're going to take the Lord's name in vain? Right? Because you tell us to. Right? The Lord said, I will not hold you blameless if you take my name in vain. We're, we're going to listen to him, not to you. And I believe that their response was not just an obedient response, but it was a response of love. Right? We're going to obey, we're going to honor God's name because we love his name. Jesus has actually said he calls us his friends. Right? The one who saved us has brought us into relationship with him. So again, as we consider this commandment, yes, it's a commandment of obedience, but it's also an invitation. Love and celebrate the name of our God. I was in Nepal uh, uh, at the end of a, a missions um, time I had um, done there, and actually um, in India as well. And I was with a group of people that we were on this missions trip together in a restaurant in Nepal, and we were talking and eating, and suddenly um, one of the, the men at the table, a, a Dutch guy named Jeroen, um, said, hold on a second. He was like, do you hear this song? He's like, there's a song playing that they're talking about Jesus in this song. And Nepal, as probably many of you know, is a Hindu um, country was actually, at least at the time, I think it still is illegal to even share um, about Jesus uh, with people. Like, you know, evangelism was illegal. So he was shocked to be like, there's a song playing in Kathmandu about Jesus. And I listened, um, and, you know, I have the spiritual gift of knowing what songs are. Um, and I listened, I was like, I was like, ah, you know what, actually, this is not a worship song. I was like, it was a song by the band Genesis called Jesus, He Knows Me. It was a song um, mocking televangelists. I mean, in a sense, it was pointing out that televangelists often take the, names, the name of the Lord in vain. But I was like, it's not worshiping Jesus. It's a song just kind of, of, of sarcasm and satire. And he said, you know, it's still nice to hear his name. And it just stuck with me. I'm glad that you said it. It just was like, man, that's the attitude I want. It's just nice to hear his name. So may we, through the Spirit of the Lord, just grow in loving his name. Let's pray. Lord, we hear this commandment to not take your name in vain. Lord, as an invitation to love your name and to honor your name and to recognize how powerful your name is. And Lord, as we gather together in your name, we just pray that you would grow that. I pray in particular for any who hear that invitation to ask in your name, 
for whom that is hard to do, whose faith perhaps has been damaged or worn down. Lord, may you renew in them, may you renew in each one of us a recognition of the power of your name. May we see the power of your name at work in our midst. And we ask all this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.